Welcome to Diversify the Stand, the resource centered around listening, learning, and promoting diverse musical voices in music through our podcast, website, commissioning projects, and more. I'm Carrie Blosser. And I'm Ashley Killam. Join us on our journey as we speak with composers, creators, performers, historians, and music educators about the topics important to them and music's betterment. We have an incredible guest today on our podcast. Claire Loveday is one of South Africa's most active and internationally acclaimed new music composers. She is best known for her straight saxophone compositions and the interdisciplinary collaborations that she does. She's currently a research associate at Africa Open Institute at Stellenbosch University and has a bunch of exciting projects that we're going to talk to her about. So welcome, Claire. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. I have a strong feeling this is going to be a lot of fun. So Claire, we wanted to start by having you talk just a little bit about both the Women's Collective Facebook group and then also the Women in Music South Africa. Well, I started the Women's Music Collective a few years ago based on experiences of mine, being a woman in music and particularly a woman composer and the difficulties I was experiencing in South Africa with that and not feeling heard and having to shout and shout and shout and just being treated like a hysterical woman and then traveling overseas and getting such a different reception to my work, having men engage with me, which was just astonishing and take me seriously. And then I was sort of thinking about this collective and then I I talked to quite a lot of women in music about how they felt about it, because there's no point in starting something if nobody's going to benefit from it. And every woman I spoke to, there was one thing they all said, and all of them said they wanted a safe space to share experiences and to try new things. Someone said, which I found very revealing, that she wanted to try new music ideas without a man in the room telling her how to do it. And, you know, I mean, it's something I've noticed that you have a group of women or people who are not white men in a room. And the moment a white man walks into a room, the whole thing changes. Everybody kind of holds back and almost like makes themselves into a smaller space so that there's a bigger space for this kind of authority figure. So having talked to these women about their experiences, I decided just on Facebook, I would form a private group called the Women's Music Collective for women composers and performers. And the Facebook group itself has kind of quietened down. I think a lot of people are getting off Facebook, but it's been a great way to bring women together. And I think to make people kind of realize that working with each other is better than fighting on your own. And I've noticed recently that more women's groups have started to be formed and that women are being very supportive of each other. That was the women, that's the women's collective. And the the thing of it being a collective is I'm not a leader. I'm just there to facilitate. I'm not there to guide or do things. I'm just there to facilitate what other people do. And then coming out of that, I decided during lockdown, because I was doing nothing, but the idea had sort of been flapped about before, to start a website of women practitioners in South Africa. And so I've, you know, sort of said to people, hey, send in your CVs, but people don't. It's like they're too shy, you know. So a lot of it was chasing up wonderful musicians I knew saying, come on, come on, come on. But I built this website, Women in Music, you can check it out. And it's all, it's obviously not all of them, but a lot of 
South African women composers and performers. And you must read the profiles of these women. I mean, they're just amazing. They're just amazing. Um, people who I'd never heard of before, and I, I read their their profiles, I just thought, wow, <laughs> wow. There's this extraordinary woman, like, living three blocks away from me, and I didn't know she was so amazing. So, And it's connected a lot of women together. Just the process of doing this website has connected women together, which is just wonderful. Just wonderful. Claire, good job. Look at this cool hmm. project you did. You turned such a terrible, terrible time into something so great. Well, it was still a terrible time, but, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it's um, had a positive outcome. Claire, how do you make money as a composer in South Africa? I don't. Um, I make I make very little. I make very little. You can I cannot possibly earn a living as a composer. The reason I can do what I do is because I worked in advertising for the first twenty years of my working life, and I made quite a lot of money, and I lived like a monk. And I inherited a little bit of money that I never spent. And you know, if you don't spend money, it just grows. And I have a husband with a full time job, and we don't have children, and we don't have debt. And that is why I can do what I do. I, it's an extraordinarily privileged position to be in. And I'm deeply and profoundly grateful that I can do it. And that's actually all the more reason why it's important for me to shout at men, because I'm able to do it. I really have nothing to lose. I've been in many ways sidelined in the South African composition world because I'm a woman and because I shout a lot. So really, I've got nothing to lose. And that's why it's all the more important that I shout, because I'm in such a privileged position. It's kind of a responsibility I have, and I enjoy it. All of the women on your page are receiving the benefits of you shouting at people, saying, like, this is important. Well, I, I hope so. I hope so. I really do hope so. Because uh, that would be very, I would be very happy if, if younger women had an easier time of it as they move up the ladder, because I've, like, poked a few people on the way up. Both in our pre-interview and, I mean, just when you were introducing why you started Women in Music South Africa and the Women's Collective, you mentioned how you were treated differently when people in other countries started to hear your music. Would you talk a little bit about your experience that you've had with your music being played in South Africa versus the other countries and how kind of that treatment has been? Well, I can talk to about two things around this, actually. The one is working with musicians here and working with musicians in England. And the other is how I'm treated here by the kind of broader music field and how I'm treated, not England, but like overseas. So I'll start with the, the treatment because we're kind of going on that line. I mean, you know... South Africa is a very, very small new music world. It really is tiny. And it's very dominated by white men. That is changing. Hallelujah. But it is very dominated by white men in tertiary institutions. And they are profoundly, deeply sexist. I found that here, and I got so used to it, I didn't really notice that, you know, I would put on a work and people would come and they'd all say, oh, that's great. And then... Everyone would go home and, you know, and if I'd give a seminar or a lecture or something, people wouldn't really engage. There was a sort of, yeah, 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 you know, and I got sort of used to it. I thought this is, this is how it is. And then I had an experience in England where I went and had a concert of my music at the Birmingham Conservatoire and this well-known saxophonist and of course most of the music was saxophone came to attend the concert and talked to me afterwards 
like I was a serious intellect to be engaged with. And I was completely stunned. Of course, fell in love with him immediately. I was just astonished. I had I didn't know that this is this was more normal. And when I worked with one of the men uh, saxophone teachers in London, I mean, he took me really seriously. It was quite exhausting because I'm not really used to it. And he would ask me intricate questions about the school, and eventually I was just too tired to answer all this, like engagement and respect. And uh, it was astonishing. Naomi Sullivan, who's a wonderful saxophonist in England, and she's just the best person ever. If ever there's an opportunity to get you two and her together, we must do that. Anyway, she came to South Africa and we did a tour here. And she said to me, do you know how men, are you aware of how men here treat you? And she said, for example, we bumped into one of my male colleagues in a vegetable shop. And she said he stood there for 15 minutes. He beat his chest about what he's doing. Oh, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm composing for this. I'm composing for that. She said he didn't even ask you how you are. He just did this like Tarzan. And just left you, you know. And she said said, you gave a seminar and none of your, your two male colleagues who were there didn't ask a question. They didn't ask a question. They didn't listen with proper attention. They didn't engage with you at all. They just couldn't be bothered. And she was really angry about it. And I suddenly thought, oh, oh, yeah, this is a thing. Then I was really angry. And this also precipitated the starting of the Women's Collective. I was just really angry. I just thought, how dare you treat me like this? Now, of course, I've softened down because, you know, It makes absolutely no difference. And I think what I was experiencing at that stage was a glass ceiling. You know, I'd had commissions from South African organizations for, you know, when I was starting out. And then as I got more and more and more established, I noticed that the commissions didn't get bigger. It was still like a solo marimba piece or a little piece for clarinet and piano or maybe a trio you know, because women's brains are little. We can't manage like more than three instruments at a time. I mean, nobody said that to me, but it's implied. And I got, and I, I'm still, you know, I'm still really angry about it. And, you know, but eventually you get tired of shouting. So I decided to stop shouting for myself and start shouting for other women so that they have a bit less, the glass ceiling is at least a little higher when they get there. We live in hope, but, you know, let's not count our glass ceilings before they've risen. And then the other thing to talk about is working with performers here and performers overseas. And I think the first thing that needs to be noted is that overseas, the, the result are just astounding. People have more time to practice. There's also a kind of level at which people engage with music that is just so much more intense. You know, standards are higher. It's much more competitive. I work with a couple of performers here who are brilliant, and I'm really lucky to work with them. And I always find when I go overseas and I work with overseas performers and there's the first run-through, and I'm sitting there with my school thinking... There's nothing to say. (laughs) It's like note perfect. I remember when I went to France, I worked with an ensemble at the Paris Autumn Festival, and this ensemble played through my piece the first time. I've got nothing to say. And then the clarinetist came in, and he played three wrong notes. I was like, yes. And then I said, after they said, do you have any comments? I said, well, um, at bar 287, Clarinetti said, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, I was playing from a concert pitch school. I do that sometimes just to keep keep my attention up. <laughs> so, 
people come to rehearsals and and it's like they've practiced, you know, they've really practiced. Oh, and you come and you just hear this beautiful sound and then you can nitpick the details and then the magic just pops out. It's like then then you can sprinkle the fairy, sprinkle the fairy dust and it's just gorgeous. But with a few exceptions, some very notable exceptions, there is a grit in the playing of South African musicians. It's like they just understand the kind of grind of what you're trying to say. They sort of, I think they understand the tensions of the world we live in and and the sort of at a very ton of deep level and the fraughtness and the, the feeling that like tomorrow morning, you know, we had eight years of Jacob Zuma, which would be like, which I suppose was like eight years of Trump. And you wake up in the morning and you don't know who your finance minister is. He's changed, you know, and that kind of tension and also high crime rates and all those things are very fraught place to live. And I think they get that. So there's a kind of tension underlying. And also there's a sense of rhythm there that is just not in everyone, but there are some very notable exceptions of people I have worked with. The Naomi Sullivan can just rock anything. She is amazing. And the Birmingham saxophone ensemble that played my octet, she conducted just bang on. I mean, it was just perfection. So that that's an interesting thing. So for me, it's like when I go overseas, I'm working with musicians who's so good and work so hard, but there's just sometimes there's that there's that grit that's missing. You know? Swings and roundabouts, I suppose. So here is a little bit of City Deep, one of Claire's works, followed by her speaking a little more about the piece. <laughs> Thank you. 
So this piece came out of a project I did with Naomi and Luke, 2017. I was in Oxford. My husband's an academic and he had a three-month fellowship at Oxford. And I decided I wanted to connect with Birmingham. So by various connections, I got in touch with Naomi and we did a concert together, which we called Crossing Paths. Because it turned out we knew people, each other was just bizarre. And through that, we formed a kind of a link between Birmingham and Johannesburg. And then the sort of next leg of this project was City Deep, where Luke and Naomi commissioned composers from the two places to write pieces and, and with film about the experience of the cities that they live in. And I wrote City Deep for that. And City Deep premiered the whole big project. And I love this project because I worked with Nandi Tambo, who's an artist I've worked with quite a lot. And she made the film and I wrote the music. And I love writing for saxophone. And I love writing for Naomi. She's just such an amazing player. And then I got to write for a British player who would come out here to play with a South African clarinetist. I mean, Luke lives in England, but he's a South African clarinetist and have the work played in a South African context. And I'm, you know, I often miss having my works played here because most of my works are played overseas. And it's like, this is my home. You know, I want to engage with local audiences. So they came out here and with very generous funding from the Center for the Less Good Idea in Johannesburg. We did City Deep. And it was the most fantastic work to write. I mean, saxophone and clarinet's a tricky ensemble. Kept thinking to myself, this is like writing for siblings who kind of are close, but don't really get along. And then I also wanted to showcase the saxophone. I wanted to I wanted to use extended techniques in a way that I've always fought for extended techniques to be used, which is for a specific purpose within a piece. So not just, oh, I need a special, I need an extended technique, let's pop in a multiphonic, or let's pop in some slack tonguing or whatever, which I hear so often and it makes me wild with rage. So I, I want I, this sort of long piece that would really explore every part of the saxophone. And then I found myself, while I was writing the piece, really falling in love with the clarinet. It's so versatile and it just like whittles up and down. And I wanted Luke to sound really pretty. I wanted him to just sound beautiful. Yeah, and then Nandi did the movie, which she finished like the day before the premiere. When you're a control freak like me, that's quite stressful. But she did it and she did it beautifully as she always does. And I love working with her. So then it was premiered in Johannesburg. Then we took it to Durban. So we traveled around the country with it, which was just fantastic. And then they took the they took it to England and it's been performed around England a lot in Birmingham and in London. So it's a piece that's really traveled and I love that. I love a piece that can travel. That's that's just first prize. So that's about City Deep. I love it so much. Like I'm gonna tell every saxophonist and clarinetist I know about this piece and that they need to <laughs> like 
So what projects are you working on now? Anything exciting? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, even though COVID sort of stripped my enthusiasm, I'm working on a piano piece for a wonderful South African pianist called Marley Stolp. And it's a project, a collaborative project with Wanjiku Kiato. Caroline Wanjiku Kiato, is it the other way around? She is an urban planner who did her PhD on women migrants in Johannesburg and how they have reshaped the city. If you ever want to read a PhD that seamlessly combines theory and the most beautifully told narrative, that is the book you have to read. It's just magnificent. Anyway, so Caroline is writing the texts of, of these women's experiences in Johannesburg, and I am setting them for talking pianist. It's, for, it's a real challenge. It is a real challenge writing for talking pianist, because you've got to be really careful that it doesn't just sound like, oh, and then I walked down the street, dun, 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 and I saw a police car going past, you know, it's just, and you also have to keep in mind, I mean, Murrily would never do this, but there are pianists who do it really badly, so you have to write the speaking part in such a way that it's completely, it, it, I'm finding it enormously challenging, and I'm loving it, I'm loving it. And also making it sound African in a way that's not overt. So it's not like, oh, here, look, here's an African element. I'm going to silo tape it in over here. So when I finished writing the first little vignette, they're going to be five. I sent it to Caroline and said, what do you think? And she said, it sounds like I'm walking through a street in Johannesburg. I thought, great. I've got it. Yeah. No, I'm loving it. It's hard. It's hard. But, and the idea is to present it with Marley playing and you, you know, making it very physical. I'm trying to make it very physical. Like one of the vignettes is about hiding. So I'm making it all like awkward right inside the piano. So that, you know, on the hands always over the keys so that the pianist is constrained. So it's such fun, such fun to think, think so differently. You know, yeah, so you don't have the pianist going, I'm hiding, but rather it's in the body language of what they're doing. So it feels intense, you know. That's what I'm working on. Our last question is, what's on your music stand this week? And how are you diversifying your stand? Okay, so on my stand, literally, this week is my piano piece that I'm writing. I, when I'm writing a piece, I don't listen to music because it interferes with the notes in my head which are all hanging there in extremely delicate balance. And if I listen to other notes, they like bang them off and then it just doesn't work. So that's what's on my physical stand. In terms of how I'm diversifying my stand, which reminds me, I must update the website. <laughs> that's what I do to diversify the stand. I run this Women in Music website. You know, I need to add something that someone sent me and actually a lovely project called Her Story that looks to promote women and talks about women composers. That's a lovely project. So I'm putting that up on the website and I need to put on Facebook my new composer of the week or musician of the week. So that's what I'm that's how I'm diversifying the stand this week. And shouting shouting at men. To learn more about Claire the organizations and resources that she promoted and the projects that she's a part of, check out the podcast description. Thank you so much for listening to Diversify the Stand. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. If you'd like to support us and our projects, check out our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash diversify underscore the underscore stand 
Also, the link is in our podcast description. And a huge thank you to Trevor Weston and Whitney George for allowing us to use their compositions in our podcast. The musical introduction is Trevor's trumpet duet, Fanfare for Changes, and the ending music is Whitney's incantations for trumpet and piano. Both composers' websites are also listed in the description. Until next time, what's on your sand? <laughs>